galaxy, I'd like to go to the varsity. Contacts with similar names have been found in your address book. Call Which Sissy. Would you like to call? <laughs> These are flash readings by the Britain Fellows at Georgia Tech. The subject. I'm Halcyon Lawrence. I have a PhD in technical communication and information design from the Illinois Institute of Technology. I'm a Britain Fellow at Georgia Tech. And my area of research is in speech intelligibility, in particular the design of speech interactions with technology devices. The object. So I asked Galaxy to give me the address for the Varsity. The Varsity is a landmark diner on the southern edge Mm -hmm. of Georgia Tech campus by the football stadium. Yes. And the response was, let me read this. I have no specific answers for that. Let me do a search for an answer to I'd like to go to Busty. And I'm sorry, let me just say that again. You'd like to go to Busty? Busty. I'm not sure where that is. Um, <laughs> and neither is Galaxy. Yeah, so Galaxy goes off and tries to map Busty. Is there a place called Busty? No. No place called Busty. No, the I'll GP- take consolation. In yeah, there. the GPS just stole at that stage. So. Try again later. I see I'm not going to be getting any food today. <laughs> <laughs> The logic. So what's going on there, Hal, with Galaxy? So there are a couple of things that occur to me when an interaction like this with speech technology occurs. These devices are based on natural language processing. So they're expecting that you're going to speak naturally. So Whatever natural. Whatever natural. Exactly. And so I'm not necessarily thinking as I come into an interaction with a speech device that I should have to speak any differently mm-hmm. than I do now. Mm-hmm. But once the responses start coming in, I do not understand. Let me look that up for you. You begin to start questioning, well, what have I said wrong? How do I say it differently? What do I do next? And we're in a stage now where we have choices about these devices, whether or not we use them. But what happens in situations when you don't have a choice? What mm-hmm. happens to people for whom our speech technology is how they, you know, they're able to conduct their lives? I think the second thing that's going on is that when I, when I click that button and speak to, to Galaxy, I am entering a boundary or a border of technology for which the rules of engagement are not clear. I am not aware of any signs or any indications of what I am doing wrong or what I need to do differently to be able to get a response. And what is different about the interaction with speech technology from that of interacting with uh, a computer, let's say, with a keyboard and a screen, is that messages are evidence. Mm-hmm. And over time, designers have made great strides in using plain language to say this is the error so that you can correct and address. Speech technology doesn't do that. So there's this constant sense of lostness if you're not understood, if your um, command is, is you know rejected. And I think in addition to that, there's also something that's over time a little bit disorienting about not hearing my own voice represented in technology. Interestingly enough, having moved from Trinidad, I'm certainly more accustomed to hearing American accents around me all the time. But there's something disconcerting about hearing technology speak to me in an accent that that 
it just it feels more foreign than ever. So it's not just about the lack of recognition of the accent, it's also what is being given back to you. And I really loved when we were having that conversation a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when we spoke about the sleeve. Yes, Olaude Quiano. Can you share yeah, sure. a little bit about that? Yeah. This is one of the earliest slave narratives that we have. The interesting narrative of the life of Olaude Equiano or Gustavus Vasa, the African. There's a really famous moment that participates in a trope of what Henry Louis Gates has called the talking book. He's talking about how he learned to read, and he says, I've watched my my master's family sitting around talking to each other and talking to this book, but every time I take up the book and try to talk to it, it won't speak back to me. And I just want to sort of give a shout out to a colleague, a romanticist named John Bug, who wrote a really outstanding article for PMLA called Equiano's Other Interesting Narrative that talks about the book tour that he did. Bug reinterprets this moment where the way Equiano sort of represents it, which is, look how foolish and naive I was not to be able to understand that books don't speak. Bug says, you can also see this the other way, which I think is the way that you're seeing it, which is that the naivete or the ignorance is not on the part of the person who doesn't understand that people were reading the book aloud to each other, but that the language of the colony, the structure of the colony can't. The deficiency is in the inability to recognize the ingenuity of speaking to the text, that we can talk back to text. Absolutely. So it's that moment where I just hear Equiano saying, I keep talking to the book and it (laughs) won't talk back to me. And I'm also hearing Hal say, I keep talking to Siri and she won't respond to me or Galaxy and she won't respond to me. Absolutely. And And it's not that there is no response. There is a response, but it's the wrong response. It's the wrong response. Sometimes it's also that it's no reflection of who I am that's coming back to me, that I'm hearing a different voice. I'm hearing it in a different accent. Part of what's so strange about it is the expectation of natural language processing is I shouldn't have to vary my mm-hmm. speech in any way significantly mm-hmm. to interact with these devices. Yes, that's exactly what I need to do. I'm also thinking, you know, you expect if you go to another country or another place or even another part of your own country that there might be some variation. But I, I guess the reason that the Equiano comparison is so apt is that Galaxy doesn't say, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Galaxy says, <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> it stops the conversation. Absolutely. And But not only does it stop the conversation, it then puts the responsibility on me to figure out how I am going to communicate with the device. Do I say it in a different way? Do I change my accent? Mm -hmm. What are the strategies that I must now employ to be understood by the device? The project. So I, I conducted a series of experiments with 103 students at IIT, and I wondered if we presented non-standard and foreign-accented speakers through technology devices, what would be the perception of their speech? Would people be inclined to actually do what they said? 
there are two, two findings that I want to mention that I, I think is significant for us moving forward when we think about speech interaction design. One is that for experienced foreign accented speakers, their speech was considered to be acceptable. And by experienced, you mean experienced in the second language? Experienced in the in second speaking language, the sec- second yes. Language. Okay. But I think what was significant is that standard American accented readers said, I wouldn't mind hearing this accent. Give me an instruction. I think that's really profound. Mm-hmm. It may be that speech interaction design has not been investigating whether or not it's acceptable that we've made the assumption that standard is acceptable. There's, of course, that really that economic bottom line that it is expensive to start thinking about non-standard and and Mm foreign-accented speech in our devices. But the fact that it is acceptable, I think, is really significant. Where to check it out? I have an upcoming book chapter and an edited collection on rhetorical speculations that's going to be published by Utah State University Press. And the title of my chapter is Speculations on the Future of Speech Technology and the Role of the Technical Communicator. And in that paper, I argue about the active role that we as technical communicators have to play in addressing bias in technology because we cannot depend on our companies to, to have that concern. I am looking forward to the day that when I speak into Siri, she goes, oh, you're Trinidadian. (laughs) My name is Laura (laughs) Neef. My name is Laura Neef. My name is my name.